to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Well, North Bay, Stats and Jacks. I'm Tampano Aliani on the board. SP Futures up 21. As if Futures up 57 as we try and extend the rally of the last part of the last week. Uh, we'll see if that works out. Yesterday we were back and forth, back and forth. Um, we ended up, uh, well, where did we end up yesterday? Um, we ended up, I think, uh, up on the day a little bit. Well, no, we ended up mixed. Let me look and see exactly. We have Brendan? Actually, we don't, we yes, were down I'm with Chief. Good morning. Good morning. We actually were down across the board yesterday a little bit. I thought we actually came back on the down on the close, but we did not. Dow was down 62, uh, S&P was down 11, and NASDAQ up 83. So we're uh, we're up past that on the S&P today, and not as much on the NASDAQ. NASDAQ's been the, the laggard, as everybody, I think, knows. Brennan, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Are you Chicago or are you Michigan? Uh, I came back last night because I've got a doctor's appointment later on today, so I'm I'm here in town. This is the guy that's going to clear you for future marathons? <laughs> This is for an annual checkup to make sure that I can't still run. So, yeah, in a way, it's, it's clearing me for future marathons. Well, this is one of those checkups where if, you, if you're healthy enough to show up, you don't really need to go? Well, yeah, it's interesting because uh, I, um, when I went a few years ago, well, I guess it was more than a few years ago now, the, the doctor uh, was going to do a stress test, and then he looked over and saw how many marathons I'd run and how recently I'd run them. He said, you know, every time you run a marathon, it's a stress test, so I really probably don't need to have you do that. But I'm going to do it anyway just to be sure that, that I'm covering on all my bases. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, good luck on that. Um, interesting uh, markets, interesting news, interesting all kinds of stuff lately. Were you in uh, town last Friday night and saw a huge amount of people downtown and a huge buildup of police? And uh, Actually, it all seemed to have gone pretty well. I didn't, didn't hear of any problems, so I guess that's good. Yeah, that was good. Uh, we've seen, uh, when I when I have been around town, we've, we've been here... Uh, looking, overlooking the park in North Avenue Beach and seeing a lot of the incidents with a lot of the, the, uh, crowd control. And, uh, while, well, wasn't it last week when somebody got shot on North Avenue Beach? A young kid got shot on North Avenue Beach? I was here that night, uh, I had an appointment in town and, um, looked out the window and saw about 30 squad cars. I mean, I counted them. There were 30 squad cars just flying up North Avenue and Lakeshore Drive and lights flashing. And then I found out later on that uh, somebody was shot over there. So it's it's uh, interesting times, like th- that old Chinese proverb: "May you live in interesting times." It's not always meant to be something meant in a good way. It's uh, it's also a very challenging way. Well, if you if you look at the, uh, I don't really think anybody should do this, but if you look at the Hey Jackass, which is the the shooting thing in Chicago, I'm going mm-hmm. to say in the last five years something has dramatically changed, Brendan. And I'm going to say. Some weekends, over half of the shootings are in broad daylight. They're not in the, mm-hmm. middle, of, they're yeah. in the, they're not in the middle of the night. They're you know, one, twelve and twelve in the afternoon at, at, on a street that people you would you would normally go down, which is mm-hmm. which is a huge change. I don't know. You're what, right. I don't know what it's anybody's. Different. But I, mean, I, I, I tell you what, I just driving the, the the absolute disdain for any sort of law and order by a lot of people. I've never I've never seen like this my, my whole life. Mm-hmm. I mean, dangerous, dangerous stuff. Blowing through red lights, forty-five miles an hour. Everybody's on the shoulder. I mean, you name it. I mean, hundred miles an hour. 
and there isn't a policeman anywhere. And as soon as there's an event, 30 squads come out of nowhere. Where do they all come out of? The Dunkin' Donuts line? I mean, where are they? You don't see them anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the what the answer is, but uh, whatever we're doing right now is not working. I mean, there's, I don't know if anybody thinks there is, except maybe the mayor. I don't know who else there is, but... I mean, I saw some antics on 99th Street the other night where three or four people lined up for a stop sign, not even... And somebody flying down the right lane and blowing through the stop sign at like 45 miles an hour on a residential street. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Uh-huh. I mean, like I, if any, anybody was there, a pedestrian car coming through, he couldn't have seen it. and didn't care. You know, I just... Somehow, someplace, if I see this stuff, if, if all this cop has to do is drive around, he'll see the same thing I'm seeing. I, or, do, we, do we ever pull anybody over? I mean, what are we doing? It is a different time, and I agree with you. I've seen some really reckless driving over the last year year or two. But it does seem to be getting worse. I mean, really crazy things. And, you know, the, the scary thing is there was a time where a, a guy comes flying up the right-hand lane, uh, even on a, a street like Ashland or Western or something, you know, comes flying up the right-hand lane and cuts you off. And so you hoot your horn and you swear at the person. But now that's likely to get you shot. Yeah. Well, you know, we had a we had a big debate last night over an adult beverage regarding the new uh, the new uh, Biden signs into law this this handgun bill or whatever the hell it is a gun control bill. You know, and I uh, I don't I didn't read it. I don't, Brent. I don't think anybody has the stones to enforce any part of any of that bill. I don't care what it says. I mean, am I getting so weirded out here that I mean, I I don't. Nobody cares. I mean, the idea of you guys last night, and then the guys were talking about these new guns that you can get all the pieces and put them together yourself or something. The ghost guns. Yeah. Uh, it's a, do you remember, there was a movie a number of years ago starring, starring John Malkovich, and he was um, kind of a psycho guy who was trying to kill the President of the United States. And in the movie, he uh, built a, a gun. It, it was mostly out of wood, so that when he went through the security detectors, it wouldn't trip the security detectives. And he was sitting at the table at this uh, this big dinner, and under the table he's got his hands in his lap, and he's putting the, he's assembling the gun to shoot the President of the United States. And I thought, that is so weird. How can anybody come up you know, with, the, with the idea of something like that? And now, sure enough, we've got plastic guns that are assembled with a 3D printer and can be assembled and are functional and shoot and kill people. Well, you know I'm not Joe Law and Order, although I'll tell you what, when people are threatening me or people I care about by their stupid behavior, I'm becoming more Law and Order. But I, the guy said, well, how, how, how would you do it? I said, well, I don't want to be the person to do it, but it's real simple. Anybody caught with a gun without a serial number on it is in hard labor for five five years in, in, the, in the Texas desert. Simple as that. But that's how other countries do it. Here we can't we can't mm-hmm. we can't punish anybody. It doesn't appear. It's, I mean, I, I, and, and some people for some, for whatever reason need it once in a while. I mean, I, I just just the I don't. I mean, I don't even. I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I, I don't want to dig into the. We talked a little bit about it yesterday and this Roe versus Wade thing. But anybody who puts the, the testimony of the last two judges, and I, I don't really care whether. You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's not none of my business whether they do it or not. I mean, it, it, whether Roe versus Wade was good law, bad law. I'm not enough of an attorney to know that. So, but the idea that somebody could bareface say, "Oh man, this thing's been here for 50 years. It's something not, not, not we're any planning on touching." 
you know when they were in the meeting with Trump, the, they all agreed that the first time that this, they had a chance they were going to overturn it. If they come out yeah. and tell the population something, that's that's the part I have a real problem with. I, if she, if she or he would have come out and said, you know what, I think this is horrible law. The first chance I get, I'm going to overturn it. At least then, I honestly don't have a problem with it. <laughs> but but the deceit, I do. Well, especially when somebody's a friggin' judge, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree with you. I and I do think that um, when you look at the answers that. Uh, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and Amy Coney Barrett, to a lesser extent, because she was more uh, circumspect with her answers. But they were definite lies. And I also agree with you that the three of them were picked exclusively for the reason of uh, of overturning Roe. Now, you know, I'm going to go back to a comment that you made a couple weeks ago when we were talking together about the new judge, Kachani Brown, and that Biden made a mistake and, and should have been called up because he said he was going to focus on a black woman being appointed to the Supreme Court. Now, I think that this is just as egregious as that. Oh, oh, without a doubt. Without somebody a doubt. who's going to choose to overturn Roe versus Wade. I agree with you that judicial activism, though, is is really bad right now. But, you know, it's not only the Roe versus Wade decision. I'm looking at the other decisions, like the one yesterday on that college, high school coach out in Washington or Oregon or wherever the heck it was. I think that is atrocious. When I'm looking at a lot of the decisions right now, um, and they're talking about religious expression, there's another part to that clause in the First uh, Amendment that that they will neither establish nor oppose uh, the creation of, of religion. So the, the, the government can't step in to promote religion or to prohibit religion. And it seems like the promotion is all the, the religious rights are the only things being focused on right now. And I am a huge proponent of separation of church and state, and I see that being eroded in a, a very bad way. Well, that's that's essentially what it's it's for a while. I mean, it was it was worldwide. I mean, anybody, the Puritans, the Muslims, for a long time, the Catholics, all felt that if they felt this, if it was their way or the highway, and the only way you can get it to be your way is to control the secular government. That's mm-hmm. that's what Muslims want to do. That that's what that what it, that's what's so why you know not the people a lot of people that have moved here that are Muslim I, I don't how can I put this politically correctly they don't they don't feel that way they, and there's a lot of people out in Palos and other places they they practice their faith they don't try and overturn the mayor you know <laughs> they 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 realize that that's not the way to go and that's why they're here and they like it here right uh, uh-huh. in my opinion. Um, but and I don't think that nobody's a danger to anybody. In fact, they look to me like a credit to the community. But, uh, but the other, I mean, virtually a lot of people want other people to do, want the government to do their their dirty work for them. I mean, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and this is not new. I don't know how people have a problem recognizing it. I just I don't. Uh, but the idea of of anybody, you know, the, the, the truth is really taking a beating everywhere. <laughs> I mean, today we're going to go vote for judges and everybody. And, and I have a huge stack of, of mailings and stuff for judges, and a lot of these people get a real lot of, you know, a lot of dough from somebody to run for judge. You know, why? What's the job pay? 175 And you're going to pay 500 for the campaign? I mean, come on, there's something. I, 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 I mean, there's something here. And, and my, my buddies, tomorrow night, I'll, I'll go up and have a cocktail with a bunch of judges and, and attorneys. And these are, all these judges are ancient, right? So mm-hmm. they, they they weren't around when this hap- when this started to happen when they when they were when they first got the judgeship, uh, you know if they got money from somebody that somebody's probably dead, 
But, you know, some of my learned attorney folks will say that in 99% of the cases, these guys do a, and ladies do a good job. I mean, if you're if you're at 26th Street or you're in traffic court and somebody comes in and there's a trial over whether or not he armed robbed somebody or not, he says the judge does a pretty good job and, and pretty much is is impartial. I mean, these guys, uh-huh. a, and, but as everybody knows, it's someplace somewhere, it's like in The Godfather. The, uh, you know, the, 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 you owe me a favor. Somebody somewhere is going to get, whether it's a big law firm, whether it's whoever it is, somebody someday when they need it in court, they're going to call the chit. Yep. I, mean, you, I mean, you and I are Southsiders. We know that. Does the, uh-huh. Is the rest of the world that stupid they don't know that? I mean, the, the, the classic case was, I, don't, I forget his name. This was years ago, Brennan. You probably remember what it was. This guy had a big support. Was he an appeals judge? Or something he was. He was and he got a huge chunk of money from State Farm. Might not have been an appeals judge. And all of a sudden, there's a big case. You know, I don't know what it was. Somebody died of something, something. In front of him, and State Farm is the insurance company. And the the, 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 the guy says, uh, don't you think you should recuse yourself from this one, judge? The answer was, why would I do that? You know, they don't. Th- that's why I'm here. <laughs> I've, been waiting, I've been waiting for this case for 25 years. I mean, I, that's right. You know, I, I don't see how... I don't know how you stop it, Brendan. I mean, uh, I mean, I we had discussion with uh, more, a little more right wing, Mr. Flanagan, yesterday about, uh, you know, whoever decides the Constitution is on their side. I mean, and, you know, and, and you know the Constitution. I don't. I mean, a little bit of it. The whoever thinks it's on their side that they become a Constitution thumper. You know, as Clarence Thomas now, he, he's the new Scalia, where he, you know, he knows what everybody. I read something last week. Somebody wrote into this, asked a question in like Cora Digest. And it was how long did it take Thomas Jefferson, he, he got called back to Washington for some reason, I don't know what happened, what did we, become secretary of something, something after the, anyway, it was one of his trips to Washington, and, and they were saying how they had roadhouses, and the, the best you could do on horseback, or in a, in a buggy was, I don't know, 15 miles a day or something, and he was like 100 and some miles away from Washington, wherever the hell he lived, and uh, he was somewhere in Virginia, wasn't he? I think. They said, he was in Virginia, yeah. Well, the closer you got to Washington, the better the roads got. They said it was like a six-day trip. So I'm going I'm to say anybody who thinks that these guys ever thought that if you were in Vermont, you could influence a, an election in South Carolina, I'm going to say flat out, which I never do, Brendan, that person is a moron. How could they even have thought of that? Uh-huh. Which, you know, I... Which isn't which isn't to say that you shouldn't be able to contribute to a senator in Wyoming if you wanted to, but when it gets to the point where a corporation is doing that and they're nowhere near the plate, I mean, whatever I don't know which side to be on on this. I don't know what's right or wrong, but anybody who says this was covered in the Constitution is a moron. <laughs> There's no way anybody could have anticipated the communication and the money flying around like now. Can you or am I, where am I wrong here? Tell me I'm a moron. I, I, I agree with you completely. This whole idea of the originalist for the Constitution, the original interpretation is nonsense. And, uh, you know, the, the embedded rights or the, the established procedures that Alito referred to for the rights to abortion, for example. Nobody was talking about abortion. It's not that abortions didn't happen in the 1700s. It's that nobody was talking about it, and it was for religious purposes frowned upon and excoriated for a woman to have an abortion. And so these things were not, I mean, even if they were going on in the country, were never acknowledged at the time. So, I mean, that's that's a specious argument. And and I agree with you that there are things, I mean, think, 
do you think that Thomas Jefferson and the other signers of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution were thinking about cars that drive themselves or trucks that drive themselves or jet planes? Um, so any regulation on any of those things you know, still were not foreseeable at that time. So that's, that's a very strained argument at best. So I agree with you that, that when, you, when you're looking for something in the Constitution that has to be there or not there to uh, include or exclude or have the law go forward, is just nonsense, pure nonsense, and purely um, a, a waste of effort looking for a, a legal argument to justify your decision that's already been made. Brendan, have you ever gone through in your, either you or anybody you know, there are, there are people that, that do this, I guess, but aren't, aren't there a whole lot of notes that were taken uh, during the Constitutional Convention that are available? I don't know how complete they are, but... Aren't there a lot of notes on the debates and so forth? Uh, before? The Federalist Papers. Yeah, Jefferson and Madison were the, the two primary writers of the Federalist Papers, and they explain a lot of their thoughts. Now, both Madison and Jefferson had different approaches as to what <coughs> they were trying to get across by what they wrote and what was adopted in the Constitution. But they, <coughs> they did explain their thought process for uh, arguably that that was what persuaded the day and persuaded the Continental Congress to adopt, you know, the, the Constitution and the Declaration of, uh, and, the, and the, the Bill of Rights. But uh, in, in a legal sense, those can sometimes be used for interpretations. I mean, even in today, there, if, if there are legislative hearings, they are sometimes written down and transcribed to see what the intent of the law, what was the intent of the Antitrust Act, what was the you know, whatever whatever law you're looking to interpret, you can look behind and look to see what the arguments were uh, to give some semblance of, of what the intent of the law was. But because they were done before the law, they're not binding on a court to say, well, certainly, even though they worded the law this way, they really meant that. Um, and oftentimes that, that is used as a persuasive argument, but other times it's just discarded. So sometimes if it... If it seems to make sense, it works, and otherwise, not so much. Yeah, it, it depends on, uh, it, on, on who's raising the argument and who's uh, who's got the, the prevailing interest. <laughs> well, we got into a, a long discussion with uh, John yesterday, and Matty was having some trouble with the phones, which is unfortunate because he he actually did a whole lot of work a couple of years ago. Of course, maybe he forgot it. That's why he didn't want to get out. He didn't want to out people. I don't know, but he uh, he was talking about the differing states. And how much your, uh, you know, how, how many people are represented by a senator in this state, that state, and the other thing. And then when you bring it down to uh, Supreme Court justices, I mean, I, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a full full bore. I think we need a, con- a, a convention at every level. I mean, Chicago surely needs one. Illinois needs one. Even though Illinois probably had the most recent one. They were, what, 1972 or something, or 68 or whatever? 1970 was the Constitution. Okay. And, uh, but I mean, the idea that. Uh, you know, when you, when you pick these Supreme Court justices totally out of, sen- out of the Senate, and the Senate is probably the least representative thing we have now, and then and on top of that, you make it a lifetime appointment. I mean, I don't care right or left. I, I don't. I think that that's way off base. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't tell me that. I mean, <laughs> John was trying to yesterday that somehow or another, back in the day, anybody would have thought. That you know, one state would have more and more people than like fifteen or twenty others, and yet they only still only get two senators. I don't know if you'd have, if you'd have brought that to, to bear at the constitutional convention, where they would have let that slide, where they would have said that after a certain point they become two states or three states or something. 
I mean, I you know something. I mean, I don't. I, don't, I mean, the idea that what in Wyoming a senator represents sixty thousand people, and in, 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 in California it's what how many million for God's sake? Right. Now that, that's that's a prime example of an argument that I've been making for a long time that there's a disproportionate amount of representation, especially in the Senate. The Senate is, and I agree with the statement you just made. The Senate is the most undemocratic, small d democratic. Uh, institution that there is in our government system, and uh, and you just raised the point exactly that the, the senators from Wyoming or Idaho have as much power as New York or um, or uh, Pennsylvania. The same argument is true that you know a state like perhaps uh, Rhode Island has as much power as Florida or Texas, but it seems like there are more uh, red states with two senators, and there are blue states with two senators, and only one representative. Well, that, that is, is one example. I mean, that could go back and forth. It's just it's not right on either side. I agree. Uh, I agree completely that the disproportionate amount, and it just so happens that right now it's on the conservative side for many of the states that are disproportionately represented in the Senate, but it could easily flip. And I, and I don't think that it should be the other way either. I, I don't think that if the numbers were reversed, that I'd be making a different argument. And but you know the whole purpose of the two senators per state was a compromise when the uh, when the government was formed back in seventeen what it was seventeen seventy six seventeen seventy eight uh, it was a compromise at, that you had the House of Representatives that was on per capita population and the Senate was comprised of two and interestingly the senators were not elected until the early nineteen hundreds they were appointed by uh, state legislatures in, in different states. They were not open for elections. So when you're talking about uh, somebody being sent, um, that takes out a whole new meaning when you look at the way the senators were appointed until fairly recently in our history. Well, I mean, if you were to do it today, I mean, without insulting uh, anybody, you'd, you'd say you would at least break California up into two, and you'd probably tell, you know, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Montana, you're one or something. Yeah. I mean, uh I mean, I actually, got a long time ago, Brennan, somebody put together the states as they would probably be put together now. And it had pretty much rural Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, part of Kentucky like a state, and then had uh, from Milwaukee all the way around to Detroit, that whole corridor, a state. I mean, it was pretty intelligent. Well, whether you agree with it or not, I mean, at the time, I don't even think it had anything to do with red and blue. But just in terms of of, of population, you know, that Chicago always has a, has a uniquely opposed, not opposed, but uh, maybe competing view of the world than the rest of the state. And, and, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, South Bend, Jackson, Michigan, Detroit probably have <clears throat> more and more in line with what Illinois or Chicago would be than than in rural Indiana. You know, you know why should why should three states in a row be essentially dominated by one city? When, when, you know, who even knows if the rural group even gets their, their say? Maybe they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, you, you could certainly, I mean, everybody would have a different opinion, but you would, you would certainly do it differently than, than now. I mean, if you had a constitutional convention, Chicago, well, the cities don't have a constitution, they have a charter. Uh, what do you call the Chicago's governing piece of paper? Is it a charter? Uh, well, they have their own set of law because they're a whole new municipality. Okay, but I'm saying it's not called a constitution, is it? No, the cities do not have a constitution. They some are charters, some are just uh, under the the state code. But I mean, if you if you did it today, unless you had, especially if you keep all the idiots out of the room, you would never have fifty wards. 
We don't have that many people no. anymore. You'd have, you'd have 30. Yeah, you know. There are fewer wards in New York and Los Angeles, two cities that have a tremendously higher population than Chicago. I think it's Los Angeles that has 15, and New York has uh, like 10 or 12, and you know, twice or three times the population. Uh, but it's a power base. You know, each alderman is uh, like king or queen of his or her own ward, and that's going to be a battle that nobody is going to want to give up unless they can consolidate their territory, not lose any of their territory or their power. But it's ridiculous of a city council of 50 members. That, that's just insane. Well, yeah. and it, Well, I mean, you've got uh, how many municipalities are there in the state of Illinois? More than any other state, right? It's like double. Yep. Yeah, there are more, there are more municipal government entities in Illinois than in any other state. And uh, and that's and again, it's a turf battle. It's been proposed oh, yeah. several times to you know, consolidate mosquito abatement districts, for example, uh, with uh, with sewage districts or something in different parts of the state. And that's been shut down. You've got school districts, yep. uh, full blown school districts that have one school, one high school, oh, yeah. and also in the same district, you have another school di- uh, like uh, right, in Brent, the same we area and one school district. We got, dash, school. we got a dash, but we got a dash. We got a dash. Uh, talk talk at you next week, if not sooner. Uh, enjoy okay. yourself. Good luck at the DAX. SP Futures up 25. NASDAQ Futures up 80. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. 
may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Oh, Eliani on the board. S&P futures up twenty four seventy five. Nasdaq futures up seventy five. Trying to rekindle uh, some of last week's rally after a slight pause yesterday. It was. It's a very slight pause, so much so that I actually was kind of bullish coming in this morning, thinking we would be up, and well, we're starting out up. We're, uh, we're up and down. We're up and down a couple times yesterday, so we're kind of in a, a, a washy way here. It appears, whatever that means. Um, over in Europe, we've got the, uh, the DAX up 132. It's a full one percent. FTSE up at 96, 1.3 percent. CAC around up 83, 1.4. So a bullish uh, uh, across the board over there. In Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 178.7, Shanghai up 30.9%, Hang Seng up again today, 189.8%. They're pushing through almost to 22.5, 22.417, as they're trying to get back somewhere. They're still down uh, from 29-something, so still down like 30-some percent, but they're making a pretty good move the last few days. Uh, yesterday, uh, Dow was down 62, S&P down 11, NASDAQ down 83, so I said down, but not very much. Not, uh, no commitment to the downside, let's put it that way. Uh, U.S. 10-year up another five basis points, 3.24. Bund up 11 base points, 1.68. They're they're racing up a lot faster than we are. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.23. Uh, oil up a dollar 69, 111.26. Brent up 206, 117.15. Natural gas up five cents, 655. Arbob up five cents at 389. We've got gold down a buck 10, 18.23. Silver up four cents, 21.21. Copper up five cents, 381. And we've got Bitcoin up 208, still over 21,000, 21,037. So it's been nervously around this 21,000 after making a couple of moves down last week, but seems to be holding in there. Uh, what do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.35 a.m. on June 28th. Let's start with sports. Uh, White Sox lost to the L.A. Angels last night, 4-3, with a chance for a comeback tonight at 8.38 p.m. Cubs will be playing the Reds tonight at 7.05, and the Diamondbacks will be playing the Padres tonight at 8.40. Looking at uh, weather in Chicago this morning, currently a beautiful day. Uh, sunny 64 with a high of 84 and a low of 60. And looking at weather in Phoenix, also a beautiful day. High of oh, sorry, Currently 88 with a high of 106, so please be mindful of that. Heat with a low of 85. And looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, not too shabby. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between St. Charles and Austin. Tra- traffic eastbound on 990 between Lawrence and the 294 Tri-State Ramp. Intermittent traffic westbound 94 between East 130th and South Lafayette and between 43rd and East Ohio. And finally, traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and South Damon. Back to you, Chief. We have Mr. Joel. Sure do. Good morning, Chief. How are you, buddy? What's a good word? What do you think? Is this rally real or is this a bear market rally? Uh, well, 
I, I, I'm not in love with the volume. Volume is not always the most important thing, but uh, the negative is, you know, it hasn't been huge volume on uh, this rally. Uh, the positive is, is that, you know, we had a quad witch expiration and we turned on it. And a lot of times those determine the trends for the, uh, you know, for the next quarter. And we actually bottomed. We made the low for the move on that Friday expi uh, expiration. So there's the positive. There's the negative, Chief. Well, um, you're, uh, you, you guys are not uh, registered, correct? Uh, um, so you know, we are, and our and our people, compliance and everybody else tells us that Finra is pushing so hard, and uh, recommendations that if somebody even called me or or find me in a bar somewhere and asked me what I thought of IBM, and I said I love the stock, and like they didn't sell theirs, even though I never made a trade, never made a dime, never anything. But somehow or another, that's still considered a quote recommendation from a rec from a from a registered person and liable for whatever you want to call it arbitration. God knows what. Yet here we are. Yeah. Jeffries sees attractive entry point for Snowflake upgrade shares and predicts a thirty five percent upside. And the stock is up five today. Now, if they would have given that out yesterday or even bought some stock themselves. Now, what if these people who buy it this morning, that the thing is 100 a week from now? How can they do it and I can't? What, what, what am I wrong here? They're a whole firm, for God's sake. Chief, <laughs> oh, man, why don't, you, why don't you throw a tough one at me this morning, you know? Is, is the whole world, if you're um, big enough, you can do whatever you want now, or what? Yes. Well, there you go. Yes. How's that? Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I... Whew. I don't know where to get started on this, Chief. I mean, that's the environment that we're in. And that, you know, that changed a lot. And um, I'm not going to be a, you know, total Internet social media basher, but um, there's a lot of different ways to influence. And what's been going on in Wall Street with upgrades and downgrades is, Chief, you know, it's been going on for a long time. Um, so, you know, the activity that goes on before these moves are made or what people do afterwards is uh, is up to themselves. You know, they, they have to make their own investment and trading decisions. But uh, what you're talking about has been going on for a real long time, and it's gone to a whole new level uh, now with, um, with the different, I'll just say, the different forms of communication. Well, I don't, I don't really mind it. I just don't want somebody else being prosecuted for doing the same thing on a small level. I mean, if it just, I just want the rules to be the same for everybody. I know that's a pipe dream in my life, but it's a... Anyway, what uh, What do you make of... Are, are, are we really going to not let the, the Russians pay their interest payments? <laughs> How can we force them to, Chief? Well, they, they claim that, well, we're going to... They say they claim we're going to stop... Last time was it six months ago or whatever? I mean, I'm just reading this article here. It was six months ago. They, even though they're not supposed to be part, you know, you know, in Russia you can't essentially write a check. Allegedly, they're not part of what's the international payments mechanism, whatever they call that thing. That they can't. Yeah. Um, but last time, they made a double secret. Uh, whatever they, they, they let the they they let the interest checks go through. And at the last minute, I'm sure you recall that. Now, but this time they're saying they're not. What about somebody here who needs the dough? It owns a Russian ban. I mean, how exactly are we 
are we helping the world by not letting our guy get paid? Oh man, I mean we. I mean, it's just more than the um, you know the stance on the payments. I mean, you know, we're pretty much letting thing you know them do whatever they want over there and trying to avoid a uh, you know a World War Three. So it extends far beyond those debt payments, Chief. We're yeah. being very. Uh, not aggressive, I guess, but I don't know what kind of what kind of choice we have in the matter. But even if you don't like somebody, if he owes you money, you're going to take the check, aren't you? <laughs> I, I, I see Jeez, this. Man, you must have stayed up all night trying was, to come up with tough ones. For well, because you're, you're my guy. You know, I like to bounce these things off you because it's it's almost like bizarre. <laughs> it's almost like bizarre world. It's like we're in the middle of a nightmare or something. Wait a minute. We, we we don't like Russia, so they're trying to pay people in our country money they owe. We'll fix them. We'll say they can't pay them and keep the money. I mean, that that fixes them pretty okay. good. <laughs> we'll fix them. We're not going to take your dough. I, I I don't know. I don't know if a third grader at a playground would would would, be, would make that decision. Would you? I don't. I don't. There's, there's a lot of decisions being made around the country, and that um, are very. Um, Let's say uh, very unusual. Yep. Well, what do you what do you make uh, of? Uh, well, give us the the scoop on. Do you think we're actually going to break out of this uh, bear market? We're we're probably we probably have to be out of bear market territory after last week in terms of how far we're down. Yeah, but. we are. You know what, Chief? I I mean, it, you know, people look at you know they come up with their percentages, right? And they come up with these uh, old bear market moments. I mean. It's pretty much been a bull market for a long time, and 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 I kind of look at it as like there's always you know there's these corrections, and some corrections are deeper than others. Um, a lot of stocks have been in an incredibly bear market, and probably will never return to some of the levels they thought 2020 and 2021. Um, other stocks, you know, are are on the rebound. So it's um, I, I would you know. I can't call for new all-time highs, right? I, I think that's a little, uh, you know, I know someone from J.P. Morgan made a big stance on that. And I was probably too early on trying to buy the dip on the, on the correction. So when we have these kind of moves, big moves, I look for retracements. And I look for, you know, the nothing goes straight down, nothing goes straight up. Right now, we're on a healthy retracement. And just from a you know going put it from a technical standpoint, uh, we're we're on the rebound, and there's not a lot of resistance in here. Now you come in with the soft CPI data. I don't know when or if that's ever going to happen, and you, your your face is going to get ripped off if you're not a if you're not in the markets here. So a lot of different things you have to weigh. I look at all the commodity prices except for crude, and a lot of them have really come in. Uh, you know, uh, copper, uh, lumber, uh, wheat, corn. So there's a lot of deflationary things going on. Crude is, uh, you know, is obviously a big factor to it and, you know, affects the consumer the most and a lot of, um, a lot of different industries. But I never, I haven't bought the recession, uh, you know, thing, and I, you know, I just, I, I don't know, I try, I, I I try to always be bullish. People don't want to hear about the market going down, Chief. They want to hear about the market going up. Well, we have it uh, for the money I'm managing for a, for a, a essentially a, a big downdraft. We'll call it a bear market. 
we've the whole way through every time it went down a day or two we always were left ourselves tremendous amount of room to the upside because i the, the bounces yeah. the bounces are are <clears throat> pretty dramatic and i tell you what it's worked i mean we've uh we had, we had our two best days ever last thursday friday and, I, and i'm bearish but but still we're just you know we're doing the routine stuff and every time we're down we leave more room to the upside and when we're up we leave you know we snug up the downside and it's worked out really well yeah uh, the market rips, I mean, you know, you, you've traded a lot of different markets, and, it, man, it used to be so easy to catch, you know, uh, you know, on the short side, uh, you know, a falling market because, you know, the bounces were, just weren't the bounces that they have. But now with computers, um, you know, the market goes up and down just at the same kind of uh, pace. Yeah. And I think yeah. it may go up faster because the retail gets in. But, uh, you know, let's see. Um we need a new high close for the move today, and uh, we're about twelve handles on that. So that's what I'm looking for the for the Fourth of July rally. Okay? All right, but, all right. Thank you very much. But SPV is yep. up twenty four. Nasdaq is up sixty seven. Be right back, Mr. Kenny Polkiri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. And I've been taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every week. I've been taking care of business. Well, my best stocks and jacks. I'm Tamal Eliani on the board. S&P futures up 24. NASDAQ futures up 63. We have Mr. Polkiri. Yes, we do. Mr. How are you? All right, Mr. Polkiri, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. So, uh, what do you what do you think? Bear market rally, regular rally, 
do we care? No, so I, I, listen, I continue to think it's a bear market rally, right? Because I think we're still in this kind of downtrend. I do think we were in a short-term oversold position, much more than I necessarily think it was weakening uh, eco data. I think that the market was just short-term oversold. It needed a reason to rally. Some of the data came in weak. It caused people to say, oh, look at this. The Fed's going to go Fed's going to go easy, uh, which, I don't think is a, which I don't think is true at all. Um, thus, I, I, I don't see the follow-through yet. But look, you have to be careful because this week is the end of the month and the end of the quarter. So there's going to be lots of window dressing and, and moving around and, and the money moving around and portfolio managers rebalancing their their, uh, their portfolios ahead of the reporting season. So you kind of have to take the rest of this week with a little bit of a grain of salt. If you see a rally, that's great, but I don't suspect it's going to last as we move into the beginning of the third quarter. Well, we have uh, what I mean, I guess if you look at uh, God, I don't want to refer to CNBC, but if you if you li- listen there, the Fed is beating up on this economy so much. They're going to be so strict. They're going to be so so aggressive. Kenny, we're at one and a half percent. Yep. I mean, really? I, uh, well, and in the we're last, one, we're one and a half percent right now. But the question is, they're going to have they're going to have to get much more aggressive. And I think you you're starting to hear a lot of people say, "Look, Jim Cramer's been saying it. Larry Summers has been saying it. Larry Kudlow's been saying it. Lots of economists are saying that the Fed is behind the eight ball, and suddenly they're going to wake up and go, "Uh oh, we need to be more aggressive." And in fact. Jay Powell all but said it at his uh, Humphrey Hawkins testimony last week when he opened the door to a 100 basis point increase. Without confirming that he's absolutely going there, he's put it on the table, and people need to understand that. Well, he dropped he dropped the uh, balance sheet from like 845, 889.45, 8 trillion 945, down to uh, 914. This is on the 25th of May. The market, right. the market started going down, and since the 25th of May, we've gone from 914 back up to 934. So they put all the money back in in the last three weeks, and the market was going down. So why would right. I believe? Why would I believe this guy at all? And now this month, after people were giving him crap about not putting out money supply numbers and stuff, we still don't have the money supply numbers out for 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 May. He's four days late with those, but we're only giving them to you monthly. Why, why, would, why would I trust this guy with, with a dime of my own money? Well, I'm not sure necessarily that you trust him with a dime of your own money, but the fact is the country has now put him in a position to be in control, right? Um, I, I'm not really sure why. Clearly, they're, they're managing the balance sheet to try to minimize uh, what I think could be much further downside uh, downside action. And so he's trying to, he's trying to, in my mind, just control that, whether or not he's going to ultimately be able to is going to be the question, right? Well, if I, if I were to say right now, as much as you know, the, the lips keep smacking about uh, full employment and, uh, and managing inflation, I, I'm absolutely convinced that in the last decade, and even now, it's to keep the stock market up and to keep the interest rates down so the federal government doesn't even have more of a disaster on their, on their income statement. Right. It has nothing to do well, with the inflation. That is going to be a problem for the government because as interest rates go up, it's going to cost the government more money for sure. There's no doubt about that. So he's in a tough spot because what's he going to do? He's got to do something. He can't allow the inflation to continue to spin out of control. Or if he does, then it's really going back to the 1970s, 80s style stagflation conversation that you and I have been having. Well, I, I, think, I think we've been there for a while. I mean, it's just a question of how yeah. they're going to count it. I mean, you know, for, for 10 years when you're 
or actually for a 20-year span, when your medical stuff went up by by factor of three, they, right. didn't, they didn't count it. And now in the last year and a half, when your when your um, housing prices are up 20% and your mortgage prices are up 40, they're saying it's up five percent. So they just they're just giving us bad numbers. When are when are people going to get tired of that? Ever? I mean, maybe not. Well, I I think people are starting to get tired of it. I think you're starting to see a little bit more pushback, and I think you're going to see a lot more pushback when November comes because a lot of it. While, while while the administration would love to have you believe that it's Putin's responsibility and it's uh, it's not there, they didn't do anything with the spending and it was nothing to do with the stimulus and uh, and it's all about China's uh, lockdown restrictions is what's caused this whole problem. But they're not responsible. I think voters are smarter than that, and I think that's when you're going to see the first wave of disgust. Right? Well, what are people you... getting really frustrated? Well, okay, so let's let's follow that through. If you end up with Republican control in both houses, and this guy, yeah. and this guy's still in the, in the. Yeah. You know, one or two things are going to happen. People are going to get basically pissed off with the, the people in, in the Congress for not doing anything in the next two years, and they'll go the other way, and it'll be a Democratic president again. I don't think it'll be him. Well, that's interesting. That, that's an interesting thought because look, if if that's the case, when the Republicans take control of Congress, it'll be clear that it's the president that's getting in the way because Congress, because if Republicans control both houses then they will certainly at least advance legislation and pass it on to the president to be signed. And if, the, and if it stalls at the president's desk, then the blame cannot be on Congress because they can prove, look, we've done this, 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 and this. We put all these bills on his desk, and he refuses to sign them. So where's the problem? Well, if you go back 25 years to the, to the Newt Gingrich thing, I don't know that, that either party, when they've controlled both houses of Congress, has done anything more than when they don't. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, when it's a split, when it's a split executive branch, so there's you know one 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 party in the White House and one party in Congress, then you're right. It does get maybe it gets more frustrating. But I think I think Americans are smart enough to understand that. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go back to Trump style uh, economics or Trump style presidency. Not at all. But um, you know, I think a much more moderate. Uh, executive branch is where we need to be, right? We need to be right for conservative and fiscal issues and maybe slightly left for social issues. I don't think we can be far left or far right on anything. I think, you, I think, and I think the majority of the country is right around the middle as well. Well, there, there's people, a lot of them our age, uh, and I'm not accusing you of being as old as me, but, uh, that really think that if they don't do anything, we're better off. I think we're way beyond that. We, we need some yeah. fix, we need some fixing this time. No, no, we definitely need fixing. We're not better off if they do nothing. That That's not going to be helpful at all. And I think that will further plot. I think then I, I think then it will actually be revisiting 1979-1980 when they forced us into a very deep recession that lasted for two and a half years. I think that's where that will go if nothing happens. Do you, uh, do you know the... Uh, I had to look it up, so I'm not accusing you. Do you know what the, the, uh, the new definition of recession is? <laughs> well, it seems to me that there's a new definition every day because the two quarters of negative growth are no longer considered what a real recession would be. So it seems like it's changing every day. But good, tell me your definition. No, no, I'm, I'm looking up here. A recession is a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy lasting more than a few months, normally right. visible in real GDP or real income, employment, industrial production, wholesale, retail sales. So basically... Right. Whatever they feel like saying there is one, there's going to be one. Exactly right. And so the traditional definition has been two consecutive quarters of negative growth. So we had three months in the first quarter, negative 1.5%, 
GDP Atlanta now has the second quarter at zero percent. Oh, they kicked up right. They kicked, no, it's they, a no, hair they, away from going negative. No, they kicked and up if the it points. Goes negative. Yeah, but if it goes negative, that will suffice for the traditional definition. I would, I would but agree. then what you'll do is you'll get all these administration economists and analysts everyone saying, "Well, it's not really true because unemployment is three point six percent, and inflation's really not that bad, and and uh, you know there's lots of job openings, and it's nothing like 1979-1980. Well, not yet. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now that with this this definition, they will they will never declare a recession. Right. Well, it's happened. It'll all be a year after when somebody else gets in power. He'll say the other guy had one. Exactly right. That's exactly what they'll do. They'll wait to if, if, the, if the Democrats lose in twenty twenty four, then they'll blame it on the incoming president. That because because you know there are some people. I was talking to Brian Westbury the other day. He doesn't think we're going to hit a recession. Brian Westbury, chief economist at, at, at First Trust, he doesn't think we're going to get a recession until twenty twenty five. Go, Brian. That's almost twenty four months away. Are you kidding me? You don't think it's going to happen for two more years? And that'll be right when there's a new president. And then they'll conveniently go, oh, wow, look at this guy. Whoever it is, they'll blame it on him for sure. Okay, the first guy who who's representing, I'm, I'm, I'm sure this dude's your friend and he's a good guy, the first guy who says, I'm I'm the guy at Citigroup or I'm the guy at Chase or I'm the guy at God knows where, he gets on TV and says, you know what, we're in one right now. What's the matter with you people? The guy will get right. fired in a second. You, right. can't, you, can't, you can't tell the truth. <laughs> I hear you, but you see, you guys like you and me can tell the truth, right? And so I can say I think we're in a recession, or if we're not in it, we are right on the cusp of it. Well, I've I, been saying it for a while, and I continue to believe we are. And how do I know that? It's just a feeling in my gut. Well, I, right? I just I look around, I see what people are suffering, I see what 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 happens when you go to the food store, what happens when you go to to the gas station, what happens when you go to try to rent a house or buy a house, right? The cost of housing and rent has skyrocketed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I will say compared to what it was. I think you'll you'll never be able to define a recession just because of the amount of money you poured in. Because nominally, right. you'll, you'll never get there. Because some guy's going to pay four billion dollars for a boat, and it's going to totally overwhelm the fact that people can't afford a bass boat anymore. You know, it's, right? And I, and I think if you look at if you sampled your 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 people, the people, as Mayor Daly used to say. Uh, You'd find that I'll bet 85% of the population has less buying power than they did last year, the year before, and the year before that. And if you, if you, right. if that's how you define a recession, we're there, bud. We're there. Right. We're absolutely there. I would agree with you. But I think it's going to be very interesting because as we approach this, and there are a lot of people that, you know, like you and I think we're already there, that they're trying to change it. They're trying to broaden the definition so they can point to this and say, no, we're not there yet. Or point to that and say, oh, no, 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 this didn't happen, so we're not there yet. I think that's blown. I got one question, and we got a dash. Uh, well, all these people that allegedly the ads are for workers out there. How yep. many? How many of those ads do you think are just out there, just in case shows somebody shows up and is willing to get, get paid what people used to get paid? You know, that's an interesting question. I, I think part of that must be true, right? Because you know, if you walk in and demand some exorbitant amount, the guy's going to say no, thank you, or the job's been filled, or whatever it is, right? But look, we saw that. Uh, here's the next thing that's going to happen. Now that you bring that point up, because we should talk about this too, is the, is the whole idea of the wage price spiral inflation. Now it started with United Airlines that grants that 14% increase to pilots over 18 months. Well, you got to think that Delta and American and JetBlue pilots are going to stand there and go, whoa, 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 what about us? And then the flight attendants going to go, whoa, 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 what about us? They're going to look for combat pay because of bad travelers in the airlines now, 
and then the federal employees, and then the bag handles, and then federal employees. Everyone's going to start to stand up and say, wait, 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 I can't afford to live anymore. And so the price of everything will go up, and then it has to be raised at the consumer level in order to cover the price, the, the price increases on the wage level. So that's what people need to need to be aware of. And that's what I think is already starting to happen now that now that United came we got we got to dash, Kenny. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this final somber note. The pilots at the 14% over 18 months, they're not even breaking even. Well, that's exactly right, but it gets them it gets them better than where they were. Oh, God, yes, that's yes. cause all the other ones to stand up and say the same thing. 14% is now the line in the sand. They're not going to negotiate a better deal. They're going to negotiate a bigger deal is what they're going to negotiate. Kenny, take care of yourself, buddy. SP Futures up 23. Nancy Futures up 63. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Arley on the board. SP futures up 22, NASDAQ futures up 55. Pretty much everything is green. Uh, in the Dow, uh, we got Goldman Sachs up 572. We got Honeywell up $1.71. Microsoft up a buck 16. JP Morgan up 112. 
Uh, last night we had earnings in uh, in Nike, and they they beat across the board. But the stock's actually down a little bit, which is a little weird. Uh, I'll get the exact number. Where are we? And and, and it's an N something something. Uh, NKE. There we go. We got. Uh, it's actually down 285, trading 207.65. So, you know, they beat on both top and bottom line. Do we have the professor? I'm here. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm down in uh, Cedar City, Utah. Really? For the week, yeah. What's what's down there? Uh, milder weather. <laughs> um, it's uh. It's not 95. Oh, so is it? And is it? They're fishing, hiking. I mean, what what's there? Rattlesnakes. Uh, just uh, kind of relaxing. Okay. Yeah, it's about an hour and a half, two hours from Vegas. So. Oh, so you're further, you're further south. We actually drove from uh, Salt Lake City to Vegas uh, one time. Yeah, this is, Cedar City's about uh, 50 miles from the Utah border with Arizona. So it's pretty, it's only about an hour and a half, maybe two hours, an hour and a half from Vegas. If you're uh, doing 80, which you can do out here in the West. We were... Uh, about that far, and uh, we saw some uh, Mexican place that looked like it had been transported from Mexico, and stopped there for lunch. And God, was it good! It was good. Yeah, enough I had a time food last night, and it was a pretty inexpensive meal. Uh, I think in Salt Lake would have probably been ten dollars more per plate, but it was it was really good. The, the chef came from Vegas, and he originally came from Sicily, and his thing was uh, raviolis, and I had the Finished Florentine ravioli with Italian sausage. Man, wow. I'm still dreaming about it. My, I, used to, I used to make raviolis with my grandmother. That's quite a procedure, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, I've seen it done on diners, drive-ins, and dives, and I don't think I would be cut out to be a chef. I'd rather just open a can. <laughs> well, actually, I have a, I don't know, I must have tossed it, but somebody, I've always been, I've never been afraid to, afraid to cook. I, mean, I love to cook, but... There was this somebody. I might still have it. It was it was done in plastic, so you couldn't even if you spilled on it, you could just just like wipe it off. The, the cookbook was called "A Man, a Can, a Plant," and everything <laughs> everything in there was like open up two cans, put them together. There was like thirty recipes, and most of them weren't bad. It was like, you know, uh, and then, well, my mom made a one heck of a shepherd's pie, and she used uh, canned green beans in it, if I remember right, and it was good. Well. Back when when I was younger, I mean, real young, I mean, you didn't have nobody really had a freezer, for lack of a better term. I mean, you did, but for those old refrigerators, where the middle of the thing was the freezer, yeah, or you had, you know, you could, you had like two or three ice cube trays got in there, and you could maybe put something. But the idea of having frozen vegetables like hanging around in your freezer, so everybody, everybody had canned vegetables, I mean, unless you went and got fresh, which they were always available. But if you, if you didn't, if you let it go too long, the thing iced over so much you couldn't get your ice cubes out of there for your drinks. Yeah, Idaho State University's math department had one of those in its faculty lounge. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the ice was like three inches thick. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you know, and all of a sudden your ice cube trays didn't do any good because they were locked in. You know, you had to defrost the thing. Yeah, you couldn't pull them out. They were covered in ice. Oh, yeah, even though, you ever heard anybody in your lifetime had to defrost their fridge or freezer? I mean, I mean, the thought of that even, you'd get a good healthy two inches of ice around a thing and all of a sudden you'd, you'd, op- you'd have to put all your stuff somewhere in a cooler or whatever and you'd open <laughs> yeah. up the fridge and you'd have to put, well, you put a, like a thing of hot water 
in the in the freezer so it would would melt faster and the stuff would just leak out you know, <laughs> towels in there i mean this was like every uh, wasn't every week procedure but at least once a month right hell yeah i feel like we, freezers I think have changed a lot since then that ice must have been like 30 years old because it's not very humid here so for it to build up like that it had to be at least that ice had to be at least 30 years old <laughs> seriously well the, <laughs> but the more then the more you opened it the more you let you know humidity in, so your mind would always say, "Don't be open in the freezer," because all it would do is make it <laughs> ice faster. <clears throat> you know, you have no idea how easy you've got it, no, Annie. All these little things people used to have to do. Just, uh, no, I know. Oh yeah, just think about just think about your cell phone. What the cell phone does for you, man. You don't need <laughs> filing cabinets. You don't need a projector screen anymore. You don't need a projector. You don't need a handheld camera. You don't need alarm clock. You don't need a TV. You I can go on and on. That, you don't need to talk years, to anybody? It does like a thousand things. Yeah, it does. I mean, it is, it is a computer. <laughs> well, yesterday, I, I'm, so, I mean, I'm so bad at mine, and Maddie, Maddie was in here. So, uh, good thing it was, Eliana, you'd have been really complaining to me. I, somehow or another, I was showing somebody how to get on the, somebody asked me how to get Stocks and Jacks app. So I, I foolishly brought the app to the front of my page, for the, for the front thing, and I, you know, I don't know how to work this thing very well. So somehow during the show yesterday, I got a message, so I must have must have tapped the Stacks and Jacks button. Well, all of a sudden, the thing goes on during the middle of the show, and I and I couldn't shut it oh. off. Even if I shut the phone off, this this thing still kept squawking. And <laughs> Maddie's like, "What are you doing in there?" <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to turn this thing off. If there was a bucket of water. I drop it in there, but I don't have one. <laughs> and finally, the, finally, the thing went off. I don't even know how I turned it off, but somehow it went off. So anyway, <laughs> Eliana, you'd have been absolutely outraged with me with the thing. Banging away in here while I was trying to talk, it was it was bad. Oh my god! So so uh, hell, <laughs> I was just over with Kenny the the new definition of a recession and how I don't know who the hell would ever say we're going to be in a recession. Recession is a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy, lasting more than a few months. Normally visible in real GDP, real income, employment, and industrial production, wholesale, retail sales. Have you ever seen a bigger line of BS in your life? Uh. Well, you know, the funny thing about recession at the national level, some some states are doing okay, but other states are not doing so so well. So I think uh, I don't know. I mean, the MBR usually times the recession, and the and the rule of thumb in the past was just two quarters of negative growth, and I think we're going to hit that because I think I tweeted a week ago that the Atlanta Fed they they can't have a a real-time tracking of GDP, and they had it at, like, 0.5% growth for the second quarter, like, two or three weeks ago, and then a week later, they had dropped their estimate to zero. I haven't checked it lately. Uh, yesterday, it's back I up to... I it's probably negative. No, no, it's up. It's actually ticked up. Uh, to point, oh, it ticked up. Okay, that's good news. To 0.3 or something, so it's still close. Yeah. All that, all that is based off of uh, their measures of inflation being accurate. And I'm not sure their measures of inflation are very accurate. Well, I, I, I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm in the camp that says for 20 years they've been stone cold lies. They're not even close. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I mean, I don't even, and I don't know. You actually, you got off the, uh, the, the show. Well, it wasn't like you skipped off last week. Time was up, and I forgot to ask you. Uh, uh-huh. and I was going through this uh, debt clock thing here, and I'll get it up here and. And, and, it, and there's a spot there that you... Oh, that's depressing. Oh, it is depressing. So, see, you made me go there, yeah. so so it's, it's all on you. 
Uh, but there's. A, I try to avoid that. I don't want to be too depressed. Yeah, well, my wife had to, might have to check me into a mental institution. Uh, she probably thinks she already has to. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm pretty manic, man. I go, I go up and down in mood, and she's always in a good mood. But I'm like up and down a lot. Well, that's why some you. Some in a good mood, some days in a bad mood. Oh. Well, that's why you have her. That's why she can put up yeah. with you. <laughs> Imagine if she went up and down too. Well, the one time. The only time she's in a bad mood is when I put her in a bad mood. <laughs> she's always in a good mood, man. When I first met her, I was like, that has to be an act, and it's not. <laughs> that has to be. <laughs> how, how would you, how that's would you how like that, Eliana? Eliana, you meet some guy, and all of a sudden he's like, really like, you, you really like him, and then you go, that must be an act. I couldn't really like him. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how cynical I am, right? Uh, well, anyway, the one here that uh, it's an easy calculation for you. Uh, M two money supply now. By the way, they, they've, they've yet to publish it for the last for two months ago. Yeah, I think they are trying to keep it from us, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. I think they, don't want, gonna, they don't want us to be calculating these numbers. They don't want to give us. They're not going to give us. Start. I'll bet that within six months they stop giving us the balance sheet number. Well, I have uh, been hashtagging the Fed a lot. So maybe they've been seeing my hashtag stuff, Ed, and well, they don't like it, so they kind of dial it down. Well, if, if you look here, in, in, in uh, 2000, the money supply, M2, was was uh, $4,008,000, and now it's twenty two two. so it's up five, five, uh, what, four, I'm going to say four and a half times, right? Something like that. Maybe yeah. close to five. And, uh, and our and our GDP is up three. So anybody doesn't think that there hasn't been inflation since two thousand. Yeah, if you're a Friedman or a, a follower of Mises, you're thinking inflation's you know twenty thirty percent maybe, right? Well, so I, I I went back. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, but it was it was a rainy day. It was a rainy day in Georgia, Illinois. They had nothing better to do, so I went back to. Uh, I said, okay, well. Um, Carl's always complaining about the healthcare piece has never been counted, right? So I went back yeah. to t- 2000 because obviously at PTI here we have records going back that far because we paid for everybody's hospitalization. But I'd rather than pester my brother, I actually went on uh, I googled uh, historical prices of of uh, companies t- uh, tuition uh, medical bills for their employees, and I and I totally handicapped myself. For two for two reasons, and I think you guys will both understand. Since two thousand, it's not it's not apples it's not an apples to apples thing because since two thousand, uh, most people have higher deductibles. Not all, and most people are contributing a little bit, and it's not it's not indicative in the numbers I was looking at. But if you look at just the straight check that the people sent in two thousand, it was somewhere around uh, seven something, eight something. Eight hundred a month, and now when I did this, it was like two years ago. It was like two thousand, so it's it was like two point eight five times. And the and the uh, CPI. This is two years ago. I did it. CPI was up fifty six percent in that time. So this was two point eight five. Okay. Then yeah. I, then I found a site that I haven't been able to find since. Maybe I'm just not good at that. But maybe I went through all my history. I could find it. Uh, on college tuition, and there's a site that has every single college going back to it's been 91 maybe or something. Room and board, 
in-state tuition, out-of-state tuition, and every single college in the country. And whoever does this does an amazing job. And uh, I, I took like four or five universities. And, and again, I, I, I handicapped myself because I didn't do the uh, Ohio State. Roughly about in 2000, uh, maybe it was 2000 or ni- was it 19, one, of, one of the either 2000 or 1990, that's when all these schools started doing the in-state, out-of-state. Yeah. And so even like the Chicago, I don't know if you knew this or not, Eliani, but Chicago, uh, like Richard J. Daly and uh, Harold Washington, mm. they have a, they have, it's like double or triple if you're from Indiana. Yeah. But I, I had no idea that that was the case. I <laughs> learn, learn as I go. But so anyway, guess what, Carl, or help, sorry, came out the exact same number. <laughs> who are you? Uh, yeah, who are you? We, you and, uh. We're both pals. We're, we're, both, both, pals. we're both buddies. You know, it's not like I'm calling them, you know, Stanley or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the same number, two point eight five, over over that period of the twenty years, and then I tried to do a primary education, which of course you can't really get at it. So I estimated again, and if I was in your class, you'd be giving me a C. I estimated just about everywhere here in Illinois, and it's real hard to go state to state. But here in Illinois, what is it? About fifty to sixty percent? Would you say Eliani is of your tax bill goes for? If you get the tax bill in Oaklawn, Evergreen Park, Palos, it's like 55, 60% goes to uh, education, right? Yes. So I said, okay, this is, this is a, just a gross. I looked at the, the state taxes or the taxes of those people in 2000 versus 2020, uh, 2020. Guess what? The exact same number, 2.85. Mm. So mm. essentially, if you take all three of those things, your hospitalization, all your education, and, and together, the CPI had them at eleven percent of your basket, which is total BS. I mean, there's nobody on earth yeah. that that's so. If if you, you know, so there's no way that that that's eleven percent of your basket, and it's not up point five six percent. It's up two point eight five. I mean, you just, if you just use your head at all, and you say, wait a minute, what was a car in two thousand? What was a house in two thousand? And, and look at it to today. You, you can't even begin to look at these numbers. I mean, I mean it, it's I mean, yeah. it's an embarrassment to do so, honestly. Yeah. I mean, there, actually, well, if you look at if you look at M two in uh, April or uh, February of twenty twenty one, its annual percent over year over year percent increase was twenty seven percent. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you know, the pandemic it was. It jumped from, uh, what was it, uh, about 7% all the way up to 16% or 20%, 22%, 23% during that first uh, part of the lockdown. So, I mean, all that M2 just being injected in the economy, I don't think there's any way that inflation's at 8.5. There's just no way. No. I mean, our budget is is being destroyed by uh, energy, gasoline, and food. We we don't really have any money for anything outside of that, and we're we're making different choices. My the demand for a lot of products that I buy has been destroyed. Uh, we don't go out as often, so I, the the things I'm worried about are like you know restaurants like Applebee's. I mean, people love going to Applebee's. Yeah, and that's that's your blue collar uh, place. You just can't go to it. You just can't go to it because you know your your grocery bill is just a lot so much more, right? Well, you, you mean the one, bre- one place we've been going, we've been going to Denny's because I have four kids, and kids eat free after four every day. So we go to Denny's, and we have the same, the same meal. Yeah, <laughs> we do that on Sundays now. We go to Denny's instead of Applebee's. So we've been switching. Well, here's a 
here's one that's on your on your page, but there's two another thing I want to talk about on this page. Um, median income in two thousand was thirty one eight. Median income now for an individual is thirty five nine. I'm gonna say that's light, you know, with all the Yeah. Some raises. I'm gonna, let's even say it's forty. Let's say it's forty. Well, let's you know that it might be accurate because there's a lot more people in the country, um, uh, whether illegally or legally, migrating to the country, and that that tends to uh, that'll pull down the median and the average. So, well, if we if we round it up to forty, and say forty yeah. is what twenty bucks an hour. I remember that from my Pullman days. There's two thousand what eighty hours in the year. Well, that's another yeah, thing, though. Two thousand. Yeah. Think of it is though. It, it, you know what's odd about that, uh, Hal? Is that I, I, I talk about you learn something every day. When when they they increase some tax here in Illinois, or I think it was a minimum wage they increased, and all of a sudden the girls at the Dunkin' Donuts, the coffee went up, and I said, "Well, yeah. how come the coffee went up?" And she said, "Well, because we had to get a raise." And I said, "Really?" Yeah. And she goes, "I said, well, I don't mind that, you know, another dime for the car, whatever it was, twenty cents." And she said, "Well, yeah, but it's not it's not that simple." And I go, "Okay, how how can it not be that simple?" She goes, well, "Instead of working eight hours now." It was never a lot of business, at, you know. One in the afternoon, we're getting out of here. They're kicking us out after seven. Mm. So when I do something, yeah. something from my lifetime, which is real simple, you you forty thousand dollars is twenty bucks an hour, and I, I work off that. I don't know that everybody's getting a forty hour a week. I've also heard at yeah. some of the Walmart well, stores, uh, if it's not busy, especially if you're yeah. talking about small businesses, because it's small businesses. They, they uh, have these higher costs because now they have to pay. If they have a certain number of employees, like 50, all their full-time employees have to have full coverage insurance. So firms get around that by just having fewer full-time employees. Or like they do like in France where instead of expanding their current business, they'll uh, open a new business and it'll be independent so it keeps their, their employee counts down. So if they're, if they're small businesses, they're probably switching to part-time labor anyway. Well, the one in Indiana, and I don't know if it's the one from here, that was a Walmart, and they, they uh, you know, they have people working there, and I mean, they have, actually, they, they they hire some special needs people, so I'm actually pretty bullish on, on Walmart from seeing how they how they take care of the neighborhood over there, but uh, not to mention... I think they, Walmart's a great anti-poverty policy tool. Well, I, Walmart's I, all, I love Walmart. I, I go to Walmart all the time. I, I love it. Well, but then the one girl Grocery, told me... One-stop shopping. If the week's real slow, they'll say don't come in on Friday. I don't, I don't see how you, yeah. how you how you can plan that. Anyway, uh, median income, let's say it's 40. So we're going to go from 32 to 40 in 20 years. It's 22 years. The median new home in 2000 is 164, and now it's 404. So tell me how you're... Yeah. How you're one's up two and a half times, and the other one is up, what, 30%. How, you're not, you're not even close. And actually, there was yeah. a, one of the listeners sent me a study done by uh, some uh, female writer, and it was I don't know how she found how she found the statistics, hell, but she did a real nice job on this. And she mm. said, in the last 15 years, people's paychecks. Now, this last year or two was all screwed up with the COVID and everything, but in the last 15 years, people's paychecks have not kept pace with just the just the piece of their medical part that the employers now want them to pay. So so say yeah. you you know say that the uh okay we'll give you the same insurance policy but we can't afford it so now 200 is coming out of your paycheck. Her point was people's raises hadn't even kept up to the 200 250 300 a month that you're now contributing to. Which is really scary. Well that always goes back to what I talked about in my macro class. Where the where the places where you see inflation 
are the places where government manages it, regulates it, owns it. You don't really see it in areas where government kind of lets it, you know things be, relatively speaking. You don't get you don't have inflation in phones, electronics, computers. You see it in education, housing, um, healthcare. That's where you see inflation. Why? Because government heavily subsidizes it, government manages it, or heavily regulates it, and all that stuff either increases demand up supply curves, or it shrinks and creates an artificial government-created scarcity, which drives prices up demand curves. And I call that policy. Okay, can I I separate that, what you just said? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say there's, there's there's two principles, and it, by the way, it aggravates the living bleep out of me when I see these buffoons on TV talking about corn prices are coming down, so don't worry, inflation's okay, type of thing. There, there, there's, there's, <laughs> well, they're just going to turn it into energy, right? Well, that's right. But, 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 <laughs> they're going to put it in your gas tank instead of on your plate. But what I, I think what happens is, is the government is in here in two pieces. One is in general money in the system, which creates a general inflation that's going to go someplace. But then they also pick the winners and the losers and, and, who, and who gets it and who doesn't. So, yeah. so to make my point that I was making earlier is for the, for the years 2000 to 2000, say 15, they pretty much declared, if you, if you look at those numbers, certainly from 2008 to 2020, your money supply growth per year averaged about 8% when the growth was barely 2 Okay, so there's there's going to be they put some money in which maybe wasn't even needed, sort of velocity might have dropped a hair, but say your inflation rate is going to be five or six, someplace. Yeah. Now the question is, like you just brought up, where? Well, over that period of time, the the go to industry was healthcare. It, it quadrupled during damn near went up three times during that time frame, but most people. I'm not going to say they're too dumb. They're not too dumb. They're, most people, even you and I, don't necessarily equate that the if healthcare would have stayed the same. My point is that in, as it did in 2000, all along the way, people would have gotten instead of 1,500 a month more going to the to the Blue Cross, it was going to get into your paycheck somehow, right? Yeah. Because it was essentially compensation to you. Now I know it's sloppy because if your wife work someplace and you're covered, they don't automatically give you a raise, right? But but it's, it's still part of your compensation package. And if the hospitalization yeah. wasn't going up, I'm going to say you would have gotten a raise every one of those years, and maybe you didn't. Now, if you'd have gotten the raise, you and me and the rest of the world might all go out and bought bass boats, and the inflation would have popped out in the in the bass boat world. I mean, the money's there someplace, and it's going gonna, gonna to go someplace, and just because the government's affinity shall we say with the with the medical community it just happened to go there but if they wouldn't have yeah. it still was there to go someplace is my point am i right or wrong yeah i, I think so um another component of healthcare is you have this aging population so you have a lot more demand for these healthcare services plus i think on the on the uh, government side the regulation side if you look at the number of ailments that uh, disabilities or ailments whatever you want to call them I think the government has, or the, the profession has increased the number of uh, things it considers covered by insurance. 
So both those things have a tendency to drive demand way up, which could be pushing up health care as well. Well, it does. Well, but all it... these government mandates covering all these different procedures and the number of procedures increasing over time through just adding definitions to, you know, covered health care uh, services, all that drives up the cost of health care. Well, I would agree with that. Also, I mean... the government, also, the government has these these essentially price controls put in place. Like, for example, I think in some states, if I remember right, a while ago before the uh, Affordable Care Act was passed, like, I think in New Jersey, the male uh, insurance policy premium had to be within about 20% of, like, say, the female premium. And what that does is it basically is a government price control where the dictated price for female health insurance is probably lower than the market, and the male is above the market, which probably explained why there was a lot of males choosing not to be insured, right? And I think that that difference in those two premiums is triggered by this idea of who is using healthcare more, kind of thing, right? Well, it has nothing and to the do with law. Basically, essentially puts in price controls. It has, it has nothing to do with uh, males thinking they're bulletproof and they're never going to get sick. Oh yeah, when when I got my first job after college, I mean I didn't graduate from college until I was in my mid thirties because you know I was in the Navy and I was in college for eleven years. But when I got my first job teaching at Anti State University, I was in the orientation right, and I raised my hand when we're talking about medical insurance and I said, "Is there any way I can elect out of health insurance and just get a bigger paycheck?" God. And I said it as a joke, knowing that that wasn't going to be possible. And she goes, "No, you got to have health insurance." I'm like, "Oh, okay." God, SP <laughs> I has to opt out of it. <laughs> SP futures up ten, SP futures up twenty one. I'd like to meet you in those days. I'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everyone. Back stocks and jacks. I'm Tim Aliani on the board. SP futures up ten. Nasdaq futures up eighteen. So we've dropped some. We've cut our our lead here by about half, but still up, and we're. Uh, we're still maintaining uh, some of that for today. Dow futures still up 126. Got some stocks in the Dow that are moving a little bit. Honeywell up a buck 75. Home Depot up 156. Uh, we've got uh, Disney up 178. So there's still everything's pretty much green. And the only thing down in the Dow is Nike now down uh, 299 to uh, 107.36. Um, so was they hit earnings last night. They actually beat on top and bottom, but still the stocks leaking a little bit over in Europe. The uh, DAX up 115, it's 0.8%, 0.85, was up over a uh, full percentage point last time we went through here. Uh, FTSE up 94, 1.3, it was 1.6. CAC around up 67, 1.1, that's pretty steady. Over in Asia, we've got rallies here, Nikkei up 178, 0.7%, Shanghai up 30, 0.9%, Hang Seng up again today, 189, uh, it's 0.9%, so they're back up this middle 22,000, which we haven't seen in a bit. 22,418. We'll see if they, if they hang there. Uh, yesterday we were down a little bit. Dow down 62, S&P down 11, NASDAQ down 83, but in the last two days before that, remember the Dow was up like 1700, so down 62 isn't exactly a, a huge comeback. Uh, bonds up four basis points, 2.2, on the 10 year rate. The Bund up, up 10 basis points, 1.65. Japan unchanged at 0.23. We've got oil. Rallying today, but not as much as it was a bit ago. We were up, we were up two bucks a while ago. Now we're up a dollar forty in West Texas, one ten ninety seven. Rent up one eighty, one sixteen eighty nine. Natural gas up two cents, six fifty two. Arbob up three cents, three eighty six. So it's a two dollar spread between there and when I got gas on Sunday, which is really high, supposed to be like seventy five eighty cents. Uh, gold now only down forty cents, eighteen twenty four. Silver up five cents, twenty one twenty one. As they stay steady, copper up. Uh, Six cents to three eighty one, and we've got Bitcoin up one hundred and forty six, but now we've ducked under twenty one thousand, twenty thousand nine seventy five. A lot of stuff there, Eliane. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently seven thirty five a.m. on June twenty eighth. Let's start with sports. I watched uh, White Sox lost to the L.A. Angels last night four to three, with a chance for a comeback tonight at eight thirty eight. Cubs to play the Reds tonight at seven oh five, and the Diamondbacks will be playing the Padres tonight at eight forty. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, we've got a beautiful day ahead. Currently sunny, 68 with a high of 84 and a low of 65. 
Looking at weather in Phoenix, currently sunny, 87 with a high of 107 and a low of 85. So please be mindful of the heat today. Quite a bit of traffic in Chicago this morning. Let's get into it. When uh, We have a backup eastbound on 88 from Kingery Highway to the uh, eastbound 290 ramp. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between St. Charles all the way to downtown, approaching the 290 I-94 construction intersect. Uh, we have traffic westbound on 290 between Homan and 9th. Traffic eastbound on I-90 between Lee Street and Lawrence and westbound between Lawrence and West Higgins. Traffic eastbound on 94 between 2 and Canalport. And westbound between 59th and West Dempster. Traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and the southbound Lakeshore Drive ramp. We have traffic on 294 between West 127th and Highway 34. Traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East Roosevelt and East Randolph. And really, really, really heavy traffic with three lane closures southbound on Lakeshore Drive between Michigan and East Oakwood due to a car accident located at East 18th Street. That's all I have for you. Back to you, Chief. Well, that's a lot. Yes, it is. Um, I turn back. If I were you, it's a nice day to play golf. Oh, yeah. The, uh, at least you get to say some nice weather today instead of some crummy stuff. That is true. That is true. See, Al, I'm looking at your... One last uh, blast on on your our page here that you told me not to look at. Every everybody who comes on TV, especially the bankers, are telling you how how flush the balance sheets are of every family. And I, I don't I don't necessarily, but they have a they have a a thing here called savings per family, and it's basically I mean it's real simple. It's the um, it's it's the liquid cash and personal savings for all families divided by the number of families. So it's a it's a median. It's not a mean. So it's a little sloppy. But I go back, you go back on this thing now all these years. If you went back to 2008, that number was like, uh, uh, 4,000 bucks. 2016, it was 7,500. And now, and then 2020, it dipped back down to 5,200. Now it's at 12,500, which seems like a, a huge advance. But I look at this all the time. And during the, the midst of the COVID, when they were winging out checks to people with the PPP, P, was it PPP and all that other stuff? And a lot of that fell into people's hands that, I won't say they didn't deserve it, but let's say if you and I wrote the law, it might have been written a little differently. This number ballooned to 55000 believe it or not, savings for family. And it's gone down constantly since then. And it's gone down like 200 bucks a week. Last week was twelve seven, now it's twelve five, And it's, it's continuing to degrade. And the personal debt per citizen in 2020 was 53000 and the savings were, were was uh, 5200 and now the savings is twelve five, and the personal debt per citizen is is seventy. So tell me how in the last two years people are doing better when their debts up uh, sixteen hundred sixteen thousand, and their and their savings are up five or seven, and, and sinking by the. Well, day. they're not doing better. I just looked at M two velocity, and I tweeted it out. If you look at M two velocity, it really shot up during the Clinton years when Clinton and the Republicans were kind of. Uh, when, I, when I say, I call it the golden age, right? The golden age of gridlock. Yeah. Uh, our policies in the United States are relatively good to the rest of the world. And there was gridlock, so gridlock back then was great. But now I think our policies are pretty, not very good relative to the rest of the world, and the gridlock can be bad now, right? Because nothing can get done, nothing can get fixed. And you look at M2 velocity, and right when the Fed started paying interest on reserves, right about October 2008, you see it basically just plummet. And what that tells me is that uh, I think economic growth, it, like we said in the, the, before the commercial break, I think economic growth is overstated because inflation is uh, understated. And you see velocity, M2 velocity, drop off the cliff during the pandemic 
Because, why? Because we were locked down, right? Businesses were told, you can't open. You can't open your doors. Uh, so a lot of things were shuttered, and you see a massive drop in velocity, and it hasn't recovered at all since the pandemic began, right? Well, so I, I, think, I think the moral of the story is inflation is way understated, and economic growth is way overstated. Well, they did. Uh, my buddies from the Fed, before they all disappeared with COVID, um, told me that uh, at one point when they were pouring all that money in, that the MM0, which I didn't even know what the hell that was, which is which is the money kickback to the Fed at night, was actually bigger than M1, which now we don't have an M1 yeah. anymore because we added M1 and M2. So, so they're, yeah, they're, now M1 and M2 are the same thing, which is you know <laughs> which is really which is yeah. really messed up. But it just, I mean, you, you wonder. I mean, for those of you that we're, we're kind of skirting around an issue here, and uh, might as well explain it now, so we have people who are with us. It, it, it used to be that. The, the Fed funds market, which is what the Fed, you know, when they talk about the Fed funds rate, is is a is a as a number that banks lend money to each other overnight to make sure they have enough reserves. So, in other words, if if a guy like is is rich as hell, writes a check from his bank for like two billion dollars and hands it to Eliani and she deposits it at her bank, that night Hal's bank is probably going to be short on her uh, reserves. And Eliani's bank's going to be flush with reserves, correct? So, yeah. The, what the, what, what the Fed, even though they have what they call the discount window, um, that you can go to the, I mean, the Hal's bank and go to the Fed and say, "Hey, look, I need X overnight," and they pay interest, and that's that's called the discount rate, all right. But for years and years, any bank that showed up to use the discount window was 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 a bank that was considered not managed properly enough. Because you should just be able to go get it from another bank and, and not essentially not bother the Fed. Is that is that fair? You know, a fair way of saying it. Yeah. Before two thousand three, the discount rate was actually a discount, which yeah. is why banks went to the, the discount but, window. But then it because you get a rate at fifty basis points less than you get from a, another bank, right? So that's why people went to the discount window. But there's that's why been, I think there's not a lot of economic thinking going on at the Fed. But there's been there's been iterations of the Fed. Where people yeah. use the discount window, and like you said, sometimes the rates were kind of weird. But there's also been iterations yeah. that have fed where if you showed up, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> you showed up with a with a you know with a with a striped shirt on to get money from them because why aren't you getting it from another bank? That's what you're supposed well, to do, dummy. You know. So post 2003, the discount rate was set above the federal funds rate, so there's no economic sense. There's no reason to go to the Fed, the discount window, and borrow at a rate higher than other banks. But before 2003. If I'm a bank and I need, I need reserves, I'd rather borrow from the discount window than their bank because before 2003, you're 50 basis points less, right? Well, yeah, but so, it, it had it had the, the same. If you needed to buy, buy borrow ten bucks for a beer, you don't want to do it from Ma because she knows she's, you're drinking the beer. Yeah. So it was considered frowned you know, upon. Thing is, yeah. The funny thing is, Tom, I was at a, an economic conference in Minneapolis. This is in my in my youth, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And a Fed person was talking, you know, the, the the lunch that we had on a Friday. He was the keynote speaker. And I I don't know if you remember the movie, The the, the Big Short, yeah. with uh, Christian Bale. Do you remember Steve Carell's character at the Las Vegas conference? Where he stood up and just kind of blurted out a question? Right? Remember that scene? Uh, I, vaguely. I basically did the same thing. I basically made a joke about how the Fed isn't really run by economists because of this 
where they, they come up with these policies, and they're not using economic theory to come up with it. It's basically a, a, a series of accidents. And I thought it was funny. And the Fed, the guy reading the speech looked at me over his glasses, right? And then he just continued reading his speech. And that night at the president's party, a guy came up to me and he goes, man, are you the guy that made that comment at that lunch? And I go, yeah. He goes, that was funny, man. That was funny. <laughs> well, you... Uh, it was basically this idea about the Fed not really understanding economics. Well, you're, you're uh, on a different note, but sort of the same thing. Um, we, we need to have him back. Uh, maybe maybe Eliani will invite him one of these days. We used to have a guy who came on the show, uh, Pedro DaCosta, and a uh, real good guy. And he, and he he used to have, he was the Wall Street Journal's, like, Fed guy. And he was, yeah. a, you know, he was a fiery dude. Really, really a great guest. Nice guy. Then he ended up, uh, I don't know what job, he ended up getting married and have a couple of kids, like, right away, sort of like you. And uh, anyway, he, but he was in one of the Fed meetings, and Janet Yellen, I was listening because I knew he was going to be there. And he, he says, remember, this is four years ago, five years ago, where the report was that people were trading ahead of the Fed announcements, which they friggin' are, I mean, right? And it, and yeah. It, and it, oh, yeah. And uh, it, the Fed was, was letting all this stuff out, they were letting their speeches out, and people were making money at it. So yeah. there was the Fed said they were going to do their own internal investigation, nobody else could do it. So, like, a year later, Janet Yellen's sitting there, and it, she's taking the questions, one of the first press conferences, and Pedro pipes up, what, what's the status of the investigation? And you could see Miss Miss Grandma just stiffen. Like if if you were a grandkid, yeah. you'd immediately head it out the front door before she grabs something coming after you. It was she immediately stiffened. That was not appropriate. He was. They called the Wall Street Journal. He was he was never invited back. The Wall Street Journal fired him. Wow, wow. And he got a job. You know, she kind of like what she found out, right? She well, they, like what she found out. Well, huh? well, no, she never. We never. I don't think anybody ever got a report. I don't think anybody yeah. ever got a report. Well, they. they I, we all know what was going on, right? There's a revolving door between these investment banks and the Fed and the Treasury, right? And that's why these banks—that's why these investment banks had to be saved during the financial crisis, so they can t- continue that, right? Oh yeah. You couldn't have Michael Blurry owning Goldman Sachs, right? No, no. Well, you couldn't have, you couldn't have the the holders of the shorts. Well, one of the figured it out, right? One of the listeners sent me all of these things. I don't know where one of the listeners got it, but somebody sent a a study to me from uh, some people from Hong Kong. That doesn't mean they're right or wrong, but. They they went back and they studied announcements and trading before the announcements, and they yeah. were, they were absolutely convinced that the Fed was leaking the stuff. And the, yeah. the interesting part was I'm not I'm not sure if they're leaking. Well, I mean I think a leak is in the form of a guy that works for the Fed he used to work at Goldman Sachs or some other investment bank, and uh, they're friends, and they, you know they kind of flipped around and they they talked to each other at lunch, and and then you know they're trading on that information, right? It happens in Congress. I mean, you don't, you don't, I mean, there's a reason why the spouses of these senators and congresspersons are, are so wealthy, because they're trading on information, right? Well, I don't, I think they're all, I don't think it's even, I don't think it's even, I don't think it's not even illegal. I think that they, that they can legally do it. I think they can too, but, but when we both, yeah. both of you can kind of opine on it. I think with the Fed, anyway, this particular study says that you can't trade on the labor numbers. They never leak. Yeah. So it's, it's not like, you can't keep it a secret if you if you don't want to, and I think I think the uh, your your crop reports and those kinds of things. I think those, you can't trade on those. I think they're very secret too. So it's not like government can't do it. But, it, but I'm going to run this one by you. You, both of both of you's use creatures. Uh, I think when the Fed does something, they 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 are trying to make a policy statement, 
So if they if they want to, uh, you know, put money in the system because the market's going down or whatever they want to put money in, they don't think there's enough money in the system. They almost want to front run it so people get ahead of them, so they have to do less. It's a, it's actually part of the part of the of the vernacular. I mean, if I if I call Goldman Sachs up and I tell them I'm going to buy a billion dollars of, of bonds in an hour, I know they're going to get out there ahead of me and start buying them. They're going to do the job for me and then just hand them to me. I think I think there's actually they, they want they want to get four billion dollars worth out of their billion dollars, and one way to do that is to have people front run you. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Well, yeah, I think I think the bias at the central banks is to inflate, right? Well, plus, I, think, I, think, yeah. I think that's what they want to do. They want to inflate, and then they they keep interest rates too low, or they keep the printing presses turned on until they know the jig is up, and then they got to scale it back, and then they cause a recession. But would, would it I be nice? That, I think the bias is to just to pump the system. But wouldn't it be nice for you, as a college professor, for for you guys have a, a scandal someday like the banks? All right, and all of a sudden one day you guys are broke and you all quit, or just like the banks are going to go under, right? And the Fed's job is to essentially yeah. watch the banks. Now, two different people, and you and I wouldn't be um, opposed on this. We might say, okay, we're going to make sure that these guys are competitive, that there's a lot of banks out there. So if one of them goes under, we can handle it, or two of them go under. And we're going to watch, you know, the, the money going back and forth, and we're going to anticipate money flows from overseas so the, the savings and order crisis in 2008 never happens. We could go that way, which is probably where you and I might go. I'm going to say that's speaking for you. Or we can say, hey, look, if the banks had 20 times as much capital as they do now, they couldn't even they couldn't screw up enough to go under. Why don't we just do it that way? Make sure they make so much profit that, that even 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 the god of avarice couldn't go under with that much money. And I think that's that's the that's the role they've taken. We're gonna we're, we're comfortable. Yeah, I think so. I also think that creates a moral hazard oh, because god, yeah. you don't have to be very careful of people's money when this is going on. You don't have to be very careful with it, right? If we had a if we had a zero fractional or we had a hundred percent fractional reserve system. Of, a market fractional reserve system with no Fed, no FDIC, none of these safeguards. Banks have to be very careful with people's money. At the moment people suspected a bank was not being careful with money, people would go to that bank, pull their money out, put it somewhere else, and the bank would fail. But you're always going to have. I think all these systems, I think that all these systems that have been put in place, the Fed, FDIC, all this stuff, uh, 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 lender of last resort, creates a moral hazard, and that's what creates. All this malinvestment. One of the biggest malinvestments are all these cryptocurrencies, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's why you have so many cryptocurrencies. That's why Bitcoin went up to you know fifty, sixty thousand, right? Because of all this malinvestment, right? People borrow on margin, and that's why the stock market is so high because you have all this malinvestment. And now it, it, I think you see malinvestment in Tesla. Did oh, you hear yeah. what Elon Musk said about his factories? Yeah, well, and, and... He, he says they're money burning furnaces. And stock, I think what happens is he builds these factories using all this capital, and now the capital's not as available as it once was, and he's he's really seeing that his factories are these money-burning furnaces because there's this malinvestment in the system. You don't really see the mal- malinvestments until the Fed starts to pull back, and now you start to see the malinvestments. Well, not to say that Tesla itself is a malinvestment, but probably it probably went too big too fast, and how he's discovering that he doesn't have the capital to keep feeding the machine. 
Well, you know, it's it's uh, well, it it is so. Here's an argument that I absolutely I, I lose every single time. When I say I lose, I can't I can't ever get anybody on my side. We're, we're, is, these are people that uh, you would love to sit down and have an alcohol or coffee or an adult beverage with, uh, and, they're, and they're bright people. But it all, it comes down to um, uh, these pro, pro sports teams, and, and and people's vision since 2000 or since whenever of what actually since 82 uh, of what real investments all about. And, and 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 you know what? How I get nowhere, and I'm, I'm getting a lot better at saying I just lost that argument because I'm losing them all the time. Who's who the the guy who just I was going to say knuckle? Who's the guy who just paid like four point six billion dollars for the Broncos or something or five or some number? Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's part of the whole thing, man. Why? Well, but I, it, I think the valuations are dictated by the Fed's policy. Well, and I so I'm, I'm sitting there and I go, how does how does that make any sort of sense? What do you mean? They got all kinds yeah. of the guys got all kinds of dogs. No, let me. First of all, people that have all kinds of dough have all kinds of dough because they treat every penny like it's their first one. I mean, that's, that's been my view yeah. in life. But I said, okay, wait a minute. Say five five uh, billion dollars. And on any given year, normally, what in, in normal times, Hal, what would a, what would a investment like that cost you in terms of interest? I don't care how rich you are. That's got to be a seven percent number. To buy a ball team, maybe eight. All right, let's let's let's, let's be well, cheerful. Well, they're doing it because they they're probably expecting uh, their return to be you know ten, eleven, right? If they sell it in three or four years, okay. Well, right? that, that's that's exactly that's exactly my point. Yeah. You're talking about the valuation, and, and you just you did you just did the jump, so you'd be on the other side of the argument. My my point was, let's say it's ten percent, just for even, just for grins, right? Because it would have been ten percent a lot of years. All right, the guy has to make. Five hundred million dollars just to write that check. We're not talking about salaries. We're not talking. About, there's no way on earth that it's got to be two to three times the income of the team. Yeah. You. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter. The guy's got the money. He just. He just toying with. It. Somewhere along the line, hell, maybe not in my lifetime. These things are going to come back to at least some semblance of value that nobody's going to have. Five billion that he just sort of got doesn't even realize that there is an implied interest in the thing. I mean, the, sure, the guy sure as hell wouldn't be doing that if he could put it in the bank and get three percent. Nobody would be that dumb, would they? Well, I think I think uh, whether it's an NFL football property, Bitcoin, or a stock, I think the way most people look at them is it's going to go up in val- quote unquote value. And if if the Fed has its goal of inflation, and it's it's pretty. St- over the long run, it, there is inflation. You are going to win if you leverage the purchase. Right. You're exactly going right. to have, have a huge positive return if you leverage it with... That's why Elon Musk is buying Twitter with loans, because he doesn't want to put cash in it. Right. His returns going to be much larger if he leverages it. Well, that's exa- and that's, that's the case for all these properties. For the listeners out there, in two different directions, two different levels of the chessboard, Hal and I are making the exact same argument. Because back when there was sort of interest, there was a big difference. Now people look at what they would have to pay. Okay, but think of a world where you would get 3% or say 4% on on, on a risk-free investment and the person had to pay 7. And the spread there was 3. That is 
I'm going to say, somewhat of a normal world. So even though you may say, I'm going to go buy the thing, and somebody's going to pay me more two years from now or three years from now, in, in your mind would be, I'm giving up $200 million a year by putting in this team because that's what I could get just by walking down the block. Um, so, so people, you people have lost that in mentality totally. Nobody even knows what implied interest even is now. Hell, do they? I don't. I don't think they do. I mean, why would you pay cash for something that's going to go up ten percent when you can leverage it with one percent cash and get a return of two, three, four hundred percent? Right. Well, but you, goes, you, if that asset does go up ten percent, right? The assumption you're making you would, though you is three years from now, the person who buys it from you from ten. Also has it hanging around free, doesn't know what to do with it, and can't get any money for it. Yeah. I mean, if all of a sudden yeah. that changes, that guy's going to say, "What did you pay five billion for, you idiot?" Right? Yeah, but the, but the, again, the, the Fed's goal is to inflate. So over a long enough time horizon, you're you're going to you're going to end up coming out. Um, if you've leveraged it, I think you're going to come out on the, and you can handle the the. You know, if the economy was in recession, you you can make those debt payments. In the long run, you're going to make out like a bandit because the goal of the Fed is to inflate, and that's what it does over the last. It turned a dollar into a penny over 100 years. Now, do you think put put yourself on the Federal Reserve Board? If if I walk in and make a presentation, hey Hal, here's the deal. Because I, you know, I could I could, I could argue the other side of this. You see this 30 billion trillion dollars that we owe this country. We can't pay it back. In case you haven't figured that out. So what we're going to do is make that thirty trillion dollars ten years from now worth ten trillion dollars, and that we can pay back. Yeah. And oh yeah. But the, but the thing of it is, you're taking an awful lot of other people down that road. You know the the Weimar Republic. They they eviscerated their population. You know mm-hmm. they considered that a success. The government. Well, the the property owners that were collecting rents. Uh, they did. They did actually pretty well because that hyperinflation paid off their loans within a, you know, a year or so, right? Well, they also. So they, had, there were some people that made out like a bandit, but I think the, the the middle class people, the poor people, they got pummeled. Especially if you're on fixed income, they got destroyed. Well, they they did. Their goal was to get or uh, uh, Britain and France to re to reschedule their uh, payments from World War One. Yeah, and they made their, their yeah. currency worth nothing. So. Uh, Britain and France did so. Yet you you took out your your entire population, which is yeah. which is a problem well, if you're part of the population, right? John, John John Maynard Keynes wrote the War Reparations article of the Treaty of Versailles, and then he walks away from it, saying the Treaty of Versailles is going to lead to Germany's resurgence and a Hitler type dictator, and he became famous for it, right? Well, you know, when they, so even John Maynard Keynes understood. How bad that treaty was, right? right? When they got up from the table, allegedly ninety or ninety-five percent of the then-known oil reserves in the world were on one side of the table. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's the, 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 the treaty. That's why some people. I don't know if I'm in this camp yet. Don't stop using World War One and World War Two and just called it the, the the World War with like a twenty-year pause. Yeah. Yeah. It was just. It was a timeout, right? Yeah, a little timeout for a while. Long timeout. So uh, I hey, what, a basketball game you? last week, and the coach uh, had all five timeouts, and you had to use a bathroom break. So he called three timeouts in a row with a minute left. Oh God! I guess that's what the, the, the inner war period is, right? <laughs> so uh, hey, next week I'm going to run by you since you're at a university. 
this new thing where no women's and men's locker room and all stuff again. If they have your feeling on that, because you're you're become you're a coach. Um, so what do you think? Uh, declared recession here soon or no? Kathy Wood just came out and said we're in a recession. By the way. Well, I, I think it would be obvious if we uh, calculate inflation accurately. I think it'd be obvious, but um, maybe the numbers are massaged, so there's no uh, there's no dip in second quarter. So. Right, but I guess it just depends on the whims. But enjoy yourself in uh, that vacation place in southern Utah. That's what sure I would think of that as southern Utah, but you do. <laughs> S&P Futures up 17, Nancy Futures <laughs> up 32. Have a nice time, bud. Thanks, Eliani. Right. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.